0: One voice. You can change the world, sure choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, sure choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, sure choice. One mic, one voice. Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice Show, building the collective conscious show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. Man, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, it's good to be back on the air. I have a deep discussion that I want to go into today. Um, We have to have these conversations. They are necessary. Um, we can't avoid these conversations. And why we see uh, all around the country, this um, press for change, this movement for change, this call for change, these um, utterances and growing desires for change, do we really want change? That's the question. Do we understand what change entails? You know, it's it's interesting because when I started doing my research for this particular show, um, I started looking at um, all the articles out there TED Talks, and all of the um, research papers, and and um, and I, I noticed that change is normally talked about on an individual level. In other words, um, it has a lot to do with the self. And while uh, this show is not about changing uh, the individual, which is important, I'm talking about changing a society and the challenges that comes along with that. Um, I looked at, <laughs> when you look for change, you find topics like, diversity, and inclusion. Um, You find social justice change. Uh, As I mentioned, personal change. Embracing multiculturalism. You'll see things like corporate social responsibility. Um, There are thousands of talks and, and thousands of articles Uh, published about change. But the funny thing is, there is nothing really published that I could find about societal change, about the moment that we are in right now. And that tells me a couple of things. Number one, it tells me that uh, there was not an anticipation for arriving at this moment. And number two, that we don't know how to change in this moment. It's one thing to air grievances. It's one thing to articulate um, the problems that our society faces when it comes to race. But it's a whole other thing to say what needs to be done. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I want to give you seven things that are required for the history of racism and oppression, discrimination, bigotry, white supremacy. I want to give you seven key things that are required for this nation to change. Again, university lectures, online courses, conferences, countless videos are out there about change, but not about this specific change I'm talking about today. After generations of street protests, sit-ins, organized marches, voter registration drives, Legislation being passed, the first black president, we are still here. Still in the quagmire of racism and oppression. Think about that for a moment. Think about the history and the legacy of opposition to white supremacy and racism in our country. Think about the the, the opposition to lynching, the not just the protests, but the articles written. Uh, Ida B. Wells was critical in this area. Think about um, the March on Washington and, and the bus boycott and the campaigns in the South and the Freedom Rides and the campaign in the North uh, for workers' rights. Think about the fight for fair housing Think about all of the lives that have been lost in opposition to racism and oppression. Think about the Underground Railroad, and contrary to what Kanye West talked about, uh, Harriet Tubman was a hero, and she did free slaves. It's a simple truth. But just think about those who ran for their lives and think about those who died trying to vote and all of that that has transpired up into the moment we're at right now where people are marching and protesting, yet we are still here in this quagmire of racism and oppression. The question is, Why are we still here? That's the question. Why are we still here? After all of that, we're still in the same position. Now, some will argue, I know this, they will argue, that we've come a long way, (laughs) that things are not what they used to be. Really? After 400 years of oppression, when you look around this country, look at who are living in the ghettos, look at who has the highest unemployment rate, look at the police brutality, the condition of the Black man in this country, look at the low education attainment rates, look at the health outcomes, and you say that we have arrived? no no we have exchanged chains for economic change we have exchanged the fields for the sporting arenas now someone would say people are making millions of dollars doing that yet they own no teams they own no franchises they are still the labor so why are we still here? We're still here because America's inability to change, because change is hard, it's difficult. And what are we trying to change? That's, what, what are we trying to change? We're trying to change a country that was built upon the subjugation, the oppression of black bodies. We're trying to change the very fabric of the American system. The fabric has been sewn together, weaved together by the blood, sweat, and tears of black people. That's what we're trying to change. And it's not like it happened yesterday. Again, I said 401 years. So how do you change something that has been in practice for that long? It won't be easy. That's when I see people out there protesting and they're raising their their signs and their on fire and they are outraged. You can't stay outraged. That passion will not always be there because get this folks, it didn't just take us one year to get here. It took us a long time, generation after generation after generation. Do you think that we're going to change this situation overnight? Do you think that a single protest is going to change it? I would even question how much the protest has shaken the minds and the hearts of those in charge. You see, in the past, they have been successful in just waiting it out, letting it go. Yeah, soon they will get over it. So we need sustained effort that is targeted on accomplishing certain things that I will lay out for you in just a moment. But I want to dismiss this idea that somehow we're going to get there soon. We are not. There is a system that runs by itself that many people are in denial about, the invisible system of oppression that many refuse to acknowledge. How can we break the back of this system? Yeah. It's gonna take a while. It's gonna take leadership like we've never seen before. Matter of fact, it's gonna take leadership like I don't really see right now. I hear a whole lot of people talking, but I don't see a whole lot of leadership. Aren't you tired of the rhetoric? Aren't you tired of the promises? Aren't you tired of people saying we just need to more reforms? Aren't you tired of that? Again, why are we here? America's inability to change. In order to change our society and all of what that encompasses, First of all, we need to acknowledge that the problem exists. (laughs) Now, you might think, well, that seems very simple. Yes, simple. But why are people saying that slavery was a long time ago? Why are people simply saying that when a black man is killed, he should have just complied. Why are people still saying stop and frisk was not a bad deal? Why are people saying, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, this is America, you can be whatever you wanna be? Why are people saying you, have, you had the first black president, what more do you want? Because they will not acknowledge that we have a problem. They won't acknowledge the problem. The powers that be have been in denial or have justified this racism and oppression to keep from recognizing and losing the benefits of this problem. You see, if you acknowledge that the problem exists, that's the first step. Yet as a nation, We have not acknowledged that there is a problem, that there has been a problem. And until we acknowledge, we can't move forward. We can protest till we're blue in the face. Until there's an acknowledgement of the wrong that has been done to black and brown people in this country, we can't go any further. So when I hear people talk about change and how we need to change this and how we can change, listen, we can change, we can enact the law. But if we don't acknowledge the problem that was the impetus for the law, we will never solve the problem. And I'm going to get into those kind of things that were passed briefly we must acknowledge and say yes there is a problem and the problem was created when we enslaved folks. matter of fact we can go even farther back the problem was when we invaded folks okay and then we enslaved people so we must acknowledge this problem number two We must understand that those charged today cannot solve it. They cannot solve it. If we are petitioning those who are the operators of this broken system and who have operated this system without any guilt, without any remorse, without any acknowledgement what this system has done to black and brown people. If we are petitioning these people for change, it will never happen. They can't get it done. They will fail just like those before them. Because in order to get in this system, you had to be accepted by the system in other words you had to agree to play by the rules of this system yeah you had to be a collaborator of this system and anybody that is in this system that will say otherwise are lying to you am i saying everyone in the system is corrupt that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying they have They've turned a blind eye for their own personal gain, for their own benefit, right? Only when they finally realize that it can be no longer ignored because of civil disobedience. That's the only thing that has gotten their attention. Notice that. When, when have you seen those in the system, how about those in in, in in the political arena, those in the corporate arena, those in the higher education arena, those that have the power to bring change in our economic policy, in the legal environment, those who have the power to bring change. What have you known for them to get in and say, hey, look, we need to change this system? They don't. But when they are pressured, when we put pressure on them, when we make it uncomfortable, when it's at the point where they cannot ignore it, you know what they say? Oh, we need to reform. Yeah, let's reform the system. Let's make some tweaks to the stuff. We're asking for more than that. You simply They simply hold talks, community forums. They establish committees. (laughs) But this is just an appeasement. This is a strategy that they they have employed throughout generations. And frankly, it's easy on their part. But they do this because they don't know any better. They don't know what to do. They're lost. They're incapable, again, of solving the problem. They're not ready. They lack knowledge. They're incapable. They have failed. And it's the old playbook that maintains the status quo. They say to us, Leave in power. We will fix it for you. How long do you want to stay in power? You've heard you say this before. You've been in power for how long? For 401 years. How much longer do you want to stay in power? How much longer do you want to try to fix the problem? When actually we know it. This is nothing more than an appeal. It's it's maintains again the status quo. Number three, one, let's go back, acknowledge that the problem exists. Number two, understand you cannot solve it. <clears throat> Neither one of those have transpired. We're still trying to convince people that these are monumental issues number three you must hear the agreed the voices of the oppressed must be heard this this step is extremely painful it's extremely difficult space for those who have lived in this life with privilege, with opportunity, yeah, those who have been able to ignore the other America, because these this is where these voices are coming from, the other America, the oppressed America, and those people who have never walked in the other America, who have never experienced this, it who have denied existence yeah this will be painful for you very painful why because truth is painful truth is difficult truth is very hard to accept um I don't know if our country has the ability to go through this step. I mean, how can you, we can't have the conversation? People are uncomfortable when you bring it up. When you, how do you listen to the voices of those who are? Oppress. First of all, you understand that it is their experience. It's not your experience. Second of all, you have no opinion about their experience. That's why it's their experience. You cannot judge their experience. You have no right to judge their experience. Furthermore, You are in the listening mode, not in the talking mode, in the listening mode. And if you are of a rational minded person, um, a caring person, then you will have empathy for their voices. You will do the best as you can to place yourself in their situation, however, you will never be able to do that, but you will do the best you can to understand the voices of the unheard. You see, will this happen? Well, the past is the best predictor of the future. All right. The past? What has happened in the past? Again, let's go back to all of the protests, and all of the the outrage and the literature and the, uh, the teaching of black, all of that. Listen, have you heard? Have you shown empathy? Have you tried to understand? Have you tried to play yourself in the situation? that those voices describe? Listen, folks. If we don't listen and hear, we will never bring change. We will never bring change. Um, I'm always amazed when I talk to people that they seem to have all the answers but they're not part of the oppressed. You see, it is those who are inflicted with this pain that know the answers, that understand the solutions that need to be employed. It is not those outside of the other America. You don't get it. Change is difficult. Folks, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and examine the last few. It's important that we understand that this is difficult. It's not easy. If it was easy, it would have been done before. It would have been solved after the march on Washington. It would have been solved. After all the protests, it would have been solved. With the legislation, it would have been solved. This is difficult. Hang in there, folks. We'll be right back. Oklahoma Humanities' Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. This is DT of the One Mic, One Voice podcast. just want to let you guys know. You can- this is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. Black folks, we're talking about change, how difficult change is. Um, <laughs> and I look at some of those faces that are marching I look at some of those folks that are getting up to talk about how black lives matter. And I'm talking about black faces, white faces, Latino faces. Um, this this message is not just for those uh, outside America I'm talking about. It's for those internal. Um, you know, I, 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 I hear these conversations about If Joe Biden doesn't pick a black female running mate, how blacks will not vote. You know, I that concerns me because you don't understand how difficult change is. And you don't understand that doing your due diligence as a change agent is to vote. Is to vote and I'm going to come back around and, and, and as we get closer to it, we're hundred days away from the election for 100 days. Do we want to continue under this administration? This has a lot to do with what I'm talking about today. We know what direction we are heading. We're at a fork in the road. And if we continue down this path, there is no hope of change. I know I'm sounding like a fatalist, but I'm saying there is no hope for change. We have to change who is running this country, not just domestically, but internationally. It has grave implications of where we will be in the next four, eight, 12 years. So we're talking about change. Seven key things required to bring about the change that we need. Number one, we have to acknowledge the problem, acknowledge that we need change. Number two, we have to understand that those in charge cannot solve it. You have to get to that conclusion. I know it's hard for those in charge to hear me say that, and I know it makes a lot of people upset. What do you mean? I'm you know, I, I, I'm I want to do the right thing, I'm in charge. You 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 have been a collaborator with a system. This is not personal. Don't make it personal. Don't say Michael is attacking me. He It's not personal because if you were going to bring change, you would have already started it. You had your opportunity. You didn't even speak the language of change. What is the language of change? The language of change is we have a problem. And I'm in office to help change this. We have a system of discrimination and oppression. And if you're a white leader, I'm living with privilege and I recognize that. And it's my role to change that. You haven't even been speaking the language of change, but yet you want to lead us into this change. No, no. You can't do it. You can't do it. And if you were honest with yourself, you would be in agreement and you would resign. But that takes courage and that takes humility. Yeah. Okay. Understand you cannot solve it. Number three, you must hear the agree. We talked about that. Number four. Number four, you need to be guided and directed in how to understand these voices. You see, just because you hear doesn't mean you understand. Just because you hear doesn't mean that you know to change your behavior you posturing. Just because you hear doesn't mean that you somehow lose the ability to use microaggressions. Just because you hear doesn't mean that you do not still have implicit biases. You think you know what you do. But you simply don't know the truth. You don't. Listen, although this country has enacted the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, anti-discrimination laws, affirmative action. We are you Are you suggesting to me today that they have not heard the groanings and the cries of those? who have been protesting throughout generations are you telling me that dr king and others that they were unclear about their message no they have heard but we are still here they were they never allowed for these voices to direct them And how they should respond to them. What their behavior should be. How they need to change. You see, if you hear something that challenges you, you should be affected by that. You should internalize that. You should meditate on that. It should change you. That's what growth is all about. Receiving the information, challenging what you think to be real or truthful. You, in that analysis, you determine, whoa, I have been looking at this right. Or maybe I was taught wrong. Or wow, this is new. I need to embrace this. I need to change. No, that has not happened. Number five, the nation, the nation must apologize. Officially apologize followed by a federal week in Washington. Commemorating the contributions and value of Black life and get this live on TV. A public spectacle. You say, why live? Well, man, y'all showed up. Well, I don't mean y'all, but people showed up for live lynchings. It's public when the dogs and fire hoses and that was all on national television. Well, let me bring it current, George Floyd, that was covered around the world. Yes, we need a public display of the repentance of this nation for what it did to black and brown people an apology, an acknowledgement. I know there are certain states that have apologized for slavery. I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about an apology that acknowledges the racism and oppression against black people for 401 years to this day. That acknowledges that not only slavery was wrong but convict leasing was wrong jim crow was wrong black codes were wrong voter suppression was wrong the the infusion of crack cocaine in the black community was wrong stop and frisk was wrong mass incarceration is wrong private prisons is wrong i want i want an acknowledgement that redlining was wrong redlining was wrong Housing discrimination, um, of um of, of, of residential covenants were wrong. I want an acknowledgement of generations of oppression done to black and brown people. A real repenting. That's what this nation needs. We can only get to reckon racial reconciliation through a true repentance. Elijah said, do you find it hard to change the mindset of certain societies when those who run our country have the same thinking of white supremacists? Yeah. Again, your your question correlates with those who have collaborated with the system. Change the mindset. See, some some people are of the view that if we can simply convince you that you will do different, that if we can show you enough evidence, then you will do different. Laquan McDonald, Chicago, 16 shots. You haven't seen the documentary, I'd suggest you do. 16 shots. He was shot 16 times. He was walking away. Walter Scott, South Carolina, shot in the back. Breonna Taylor, sleeping in her own house, shot to death. Abon Aubrey, shot to death. And then again, the display of George Ford, George Floyd. Okay, the 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 the, the convinced them. How much more evidence do they need? No they will never be convinced. You see, because it goes back to what we said with number one, you have to acknowledge that there's a problem. They will never be convinced. Why? Because they benefit. It's too painful, it is costly. Think about it, if a leader that has the ability to bring about change, acknowledges this problem, those that have voted him in office will what? His or her, in office will what? Will turn on them. That's not why I put you there. That's not why I put you there. They know why they are there. It is costly. It is painful. And trust me, their lives are not affected by this. They're not being pulled over and brutalized. They're not being stereotyped. They're not being followed when they go into a store. They're not being racially discriminated against when they try to apply for a job. They're not. They don't have these experiences, so they can ignore them. It doesn't benefit them. See, that's true leadership. When you do something for others, that you don't benefit from that might be costly to you. You say, well, who would do that? Jesus did it. Jesus' sacrifice was for who? Was for the world? Was it for him? According to the book, he was already God. He was already in paradise. It was it was him that came for us. For the world if that's what you believe he did something he paid a price and most of these people are running around saying they christians let's keep it real most of them are running around saying you know yeah i'm a christian i you know i believe in god but you won't sacrifice you won't pay a price for the betterment of society for those who have entrusted you to do the right thing because it's costly? Hippocrates, you're a hypocrite. And so I say to you, no, Eliza, we cannot change their minds. We cannot change their minds. They've met with all types of groups and had all types of conversations. If they were going to change their minds, they would have did it a long time ago. They have shown us who they are and what they are. Elijah also goes on to say, you would think it wouldn't matter who Biden chooses. The goal should be removing the hatred that is currently running our country. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is a very crucial time crucial election. We must be committed, no matter what, as Malcolm X said, at any cost to make sure we change the trajectory of politics in this country. Not that that's going to change everything, but it's a start. It's a start. So that was number five, the nation needs to apologize. Number six, create a racial equality czar on the federal level. Support it with a staff and funding to oversee the dismantling of white supremacy in this nation. We need to make white supremacy the number one enemy, not Al Qaeda, not immigration. Okay. White supremacy. Why do I say that? Because white supremacy is the base of this system. Now, see, some people think when you talk about white supremacy, you're talking about the Ku Klux Klan, uh, you're talking about neo Nazis, skinheads, and all that. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's part of the, the group. But white supremacy, is based upon the superiority of the white race over all others. So whether white supremacy is when I don't get a job simply because of the the color of my skin. White supremacy is simply, I don't get a loan because of the neighborhood I live in. Although I can pay the loan off. White supremacy is when I walk into a store and the the clerk assumes that I'm there to steal something. White supremacy is organizations, but it's also a mindset. White privilege is birthed out of white supremacy, where you see everything through a white lens And your world is normalized, and those who don't fit are deficient. So until we make white supremacy, until the president of this United States come out and say white supremacy is our number one enemy. And I'm going to create a racial equality czar to dismantle across this nation the structures and the system of oppression dismantle not reform Yeah, I here to say when, when you hear people out there saying we need to we need some more reforms listen folks they're lying to you. you 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 we need to we need we we need a moratorium on that word we don't even need to use it because what it translates into status quo, more of the same. Especially when these reforms are coming from the very corrupt organizations. How can a police department reform itself? Come on, are, are we that ignorant? Are we that foolish to believe that these organizations are gonna take it upon themselves and do the right thing? after years of getting away with it? Why? It serves no purpose for them. Especially when you see these organizations, oh, Oklahoma City. Let's talk about Oklahoma City for a moment. Police Department. Um, Let's talk about that. Second in the nation in shooting, per capita, in shooting minorities. They just got an increase in budget. When all other city departments, from what I've heard, um, were cut. What message does that send? Reform. I'm like, Alvin, I practice. Practice? You're talking to me about practice? You're talking to me about reforms? Reforms? (laughs) That's silly. Don't fall for that trick. Lisa says, a seven-step program for change, very similar to a 12-step model. The addict cannot change if they don't acknowledge they have a problem. Making amends is a key component of recovery in 12 steps so true so true i mean that you gotta say i got a problem (laughs) we can't move beyond that folks and and we have people out here jews will not replace us charlottesville oh there's good people on either side are they acknowledging the problem tree of life synagogue Mother Emanuel, Sikh Temple in Wisconsin. Are they acknowledging the problem? Um, Thank you, Lisa. Um, Seven steps. A racial Equality czar, number six. Number seven. Now, this one right here, I know. We've been debating about this forever. At least I have been. Um, I heard Dr. Um, Manning Bell, Manning Mirabell talk about this back in 06. Um, At my undergrad, reparations, folks. Number seven, number six, number seven, I mean, is reparations. You see, right now there is a bill that was introduced, H.R. 40. If you haven't heard of it, you can look it up, H.R. 40. And the 116th Congress is where we're in uh, 2019. Um, the bill establishes the commission. It was introduced in the House, establishes the commission to study and develop reparations proposals for African Americans. The commission shall examine slavery and discrimination in the colonies in the United States from 1690 to the present and recommend appropriate remedies. Among other requirements, the commission shall identify the role of the federal and state governments in supporting the institution of slavery, forms of discrimination in the public and private sectors against free slaves and their descendants, and lingering negative effects of slavery on living African-Americans in society. Wow. Number seven, reparations. What are reparations? Reparations are saying it was wrong. What do we need to do to make it right? How do we need to equal the playing field? Whether that's financially, whether that's through economic policy, whether that's through um, changing Housing laws, whether that's through uh, making sure that uh, institutions, private and public, are held accountable for the way they discriminate, Um, whether that is at free college, free tuition for blacks, a stipend for the descendants of slaves, whatever this commission that is that they're trying to put together to study, get this folks, the problem. And you got people against that. Do you think that the Senate will pass HR 40? Do you think Mitch McConnell will pass a bill to allow, if it makes it through the house, you know, problems even in the house. It makes it through the house that will allow for a commission to study the possibility of reparation. This is not to give reparations, but to study reparations. Do you know that there are people that are even against studying the problem? They don't even want to acknowledge it, but they go even farther and say, we don't even want you to study it. How laughable is that? How ridiculous is that? Change is difficult. Change is, this is the hardest thing that I think the United States will ever try to accomplish. Change its own society, where people wake up in this country feeling valued, feeling that they are respected, they have dignity, they are part of this culture, and that they are accepted as members, not because of the color, of their skin, but because of who they are. Number one, we must acknowledge the problem. Number two, we must understand that they cannot solve it. Number three, we must hear the aggrieved, those voices of the oppressed. Number four, they need to be guided in how to respond to these voices. Number five, the nation must apologize and followed by a federal week in Washington commemorating the the contributions and value of black life must create, number six, a racial equality czar. And number seven, reparations. You think all that is easy? No, it is not. And I know you know it's not. Matter of fact, you might say, Michael, how is that going to get done? Well, let me say this. If it doesn't get done, nothing will change. How bad? How desperate? How thirsty? How hungry? Are we for change? How long how much longer can we be a witness to the horrors that we see Do you want to see another George Floyd Do we want to see another great person like Congressman Lewis pass on without seeing the change that he fought so diligently for. Are we at the point of such discomfort that we cry in unison that change is not an option, it is a necessity As we look around our country and we see that it is not the country we want it to be, as we imagine and envision a new America where our brown and black brothers and sisters can walk our city streets can walk into our establishments, can attend college and walk in corporate boardrooms without feeling that they are less than. When our white brothers and sisters are tired of the unearned privilege that they receive each and every day, when they will say, I'm no, no longer when they will acknowledge this privilege and work to dismantle it, then we can begin on this journey for change. We're not on the journey. Let me repeat that. We're not on the journey. Change is in the distance. Remember I said it's a fork in the road. Where we're at right now, really, our most important decision, nothing's going to happen before November. Our most important decision is in November. On the left road is Donald Trump. On the right road is Joe Biden. We're standing at that fork that would pre- that would present to us the opportunity for change mark my, my un- understand what i'm saying the opportunity for change if we go left we know what we get no change if we go right we might not get any change but we have the opportunity for change I want you to understand that why I am optimistic, I am a realist. And I know that many do not have the courage or the fortitude to hang in and to fight for change that is lasting. But I'm asking you, I'm asking you to be that person. I'm pleading with you to fight, to not get weary, to not give up, to do the right thing. Because only then will we have an opportunity, a chance, a slight chance for change. Because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time. And what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided people? Yes, history <laughs> will speak of us. We can be the change that's in our life All we gotta do is work together We gotta raise our children better We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate And spread the love One mic, one voice You can change the world, it's your choice One mic, one voice you can change the world it's your choice you can change the world it's your choice one like one bus. you can change the world it's your choice Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. This episode is brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Black & Studios, go to blackandstudios.com or visit their Facebook page. The views and opinions of the One Mic, One Voice podcast show do not reflect the views of Black & Studios or our other sponsors.